0: In this illuminating episode of Meltdown to Mastery, as I invite the extraordinary Tina Irwin to unravel the ancient mysteries of the law of karma. Tina, a luminary in the exploration of the unseen world and self-proclaimed ghost helper, provides transformative insights that transcend the boundaries of life and afterlife. Prepare to delve into the cosmic threads that weave our destinies and discover how understanding the law of karma can empower us to shape, manifest, and develop our own mastery both in this world and beyond. Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome, Tina. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. How are you doing? Really good. Today we're going to talk about the universal law of karma. And how it can impact our desire to manifest in our lives. And if we don't understand it, we're wondering why certain things are coming back at us. (laughs) So take it away, Tina.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to kind of explain this a little bit. People who discuss karma always talk about it being a really sort of like a a very long four-letter word. (laughs) Karma is a, you know what I mean. But what if it's not? What if it's simply a universal law of action and reaction? But the big element here is that that reaction can cross millennia. And I I once had a, someone took me to to a, a session where this psychic had all these people in the room. And she said, you know, for $600. I can erase all of your karma. And I almost fell off my chair laughing because Christ can't erase your karma. Yeah, It belongs to you. And the, the fact of the matter is, if you were an amazing person in another life and you are Doing okay in this life, but you're worried that somehow it's not as perfect as you want. And you had somebody erase your karma, even if they could, which they can't. Uh, suppose you have some wonderful things ahead of you. When someone says they're going to do that or we're going to just wipe your Akashic records clean, which no one can do. It's a lie. Someone's just taking your money. The reason is if you did something wonderful in another life, that karma has to come back to you. It's beneficent. It's it's fabulous when you look at this. If you are doing everything in your power to be a service to humanity in, in whatever ways you can, and suppose that service is just being the best mom or dad or the best staff member, or you're working on a committee and you're doing, you're giving whoever is in front of you your best, your karmic best well suppose that's been your life process life after life you don't want somebody to just go in and erase that that would be horrible well what if you did something people always look at it in extremes i did something horrible in another life or i was a horrible person you know that karma is going to come back to me but the truth is that most of us live live or lead ordinary lives and none of us are perfect we come to this life to learn there's no learning in perfection we were perfect we wouldn't reincarnate here we believe me we go someplace else that's very different from here but if you are here and you have opportunities in front of you then. The karmically wise person takes advantage of them to the best of their ability so that whatever is going to come back will come back in wonderful ways. And sometimes it's not like you have a checking account and you go, it's your your karmic bank account. You go, okay, I put this deposit in here today because I helped my neighbor and I really need help because my kid is sick and I need to help a carpool person. It doesn't exactly work like that. It works on
0: much more dynamic, subtle levels. So does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. So you're not taking the little little pieces and saying, oh, I need my karma to come back today. <laughs> it's about intent, right? To do intentionally good things for, like you say, service to others and then letting go And not counting every little thing. That's a great way to put it. A
1: lot of people say that you only live once and you have to get it right. Well, that's not true. You live thousands of lives for the experience of it. And and most of us don't wake up with the intention to be a stinker today. Or I'm going to make that employee's life, you know, hell most people thank goodness don't think like that they're trying to get through their day get their grocery shopping done you know deal with their mother-in-law or a sick relative or they've got to take on the workload of a sick um you know fellow staff member they've got some resentment that goes with it because they're already stressed karma is so complex in its manifestation it's very very difficult to look at something and say oh that's karmic payback or it's retribution or what you know you can fill in the blank it's never that specific and there's a there's so many ways to look at how karma comes back to you let's look at for example a very mundane super basic story and i have that story in the lightworker's guide to everyday karma oh nice cuz life, life to have feels, that.
0: yeah and life feels pretty mundane most of the time doesn't it
1: okay and i will give you one of the most mundane examples of how you can see karma in action my son is a he was a master mechanic for rolls royce and bmw and now he works at he does custom work for a shop here up in Washington State. And my my whole family loves cars, so I have more knowledge about cars than most people. And what we've noticed is we he started to, you know, talk about this one day. He said, you know, it's the most amazing things. People whose cars come in for just warranty work, just normal, they're immaculate. There's no garbage in the trunk. There's no... Stuff everywhere, the car is clean, and the things that have to be done to it are minimal. They take care of it. If they can keep it in a garage, they do, and they love their car. It's a weird thing. You know, it's the funniest thing. People come in, they say, something isn't quite right. You know, I really love this car, but it's not really, I don't quite understand it. Those cars will have the least problems. Now, the person isn't waking up and saying, I'm going to have an intention about my car. Nobody does that. They're never going to do that. What they can do is take care of the car. And I am i admit it. I'm not always great at that. That's why I have car guys in my family. But when we lived in Italy, I had a red Fiat. And God bless this car. I loved this car. It knew every place in Italy to shop. And I loved driving in Italian traffic because it was great sport. And I told this car, I just, and I would tell people, oh, we get in, I go, I just love my car. It's so fun. It's red and it's fast. And So one day I pulled into an Italian uh, gas station and I was being very expensive. And I I was fluent in Italian. I, I asked the guy, would you please check the oil? And he comes back and he looks at me with this, I can't believe you did this look. Niente olio. There's no oil in this car. And then he looked at me and he says, how is this car running without any oil? You know, it was a Fiat 132. This was in 1977. So it's a long time ago when cars, you know, you have to put oil in your car. You still have to put oil in your car today if you have an internal combustion engine. Well, he couldn't understand why the car still drove. So he filled the car with oil and gas and I went on my way. But well, that begs the question why did the car run and not have any indication of a problem is the energy and the love that I gave this car. Did it shift it so that it could run without oil, even for some limited amount of time. And did the car communicate with me and say, "Uh, excuse me, sweetie, we need a little oil here. And I put oil in and I was better at checking it after that. Well, well, Uh, I saw this happen uh, with several other people where their car was just driven to the ground. They couldn't afford anything else. The car, they called the car, they said with the words, this car is so loyal to me. Oh, my gosh, I love my car. Car should never have run. Took it to a mechanic. How is this car working? And the woman said, I don't know. I love my car. Car just loves me back. Car loves me back. Karmically, what's happening here is, again, on most mundane level, you love your car and you you do everything you can to take care of it within your financial boundaries, which I understand people have. It's not just expensive cars that get taken care of, but things happen. And I'll give you another example of a super expensive car, uh, a $500,000 Rolls Royce was towed into the dealership and it and they brought my son over and they said nobody knows why this this Rolls-Royce seized on the on an LA freeway can you figure it out you know it's Occam's razor the simplest solution is the best they checked the oil the oil looked like cement and they had gone like you know, 60 or 70,000 miles without ever changing the oil and that rolls. And if you own a Rolls Royce, what happens is they contact you and say, it's time for your oil change. We're going to bring a car to you. We're going to pick your car up. I mean, you get top drawer service. They still couldn't be bothered. The car was just nothing to them. They hated the car. So they it took a long time because the engine had seized They're going to have to replace the engine, and the owner didn't care about it because, I mean, they didn't care about the car at all. So they went ahead, and they just said, you know, I'll just buy a new one. Okay, that's certainly you're right. But this shows that even if you have a super expensive car, the karma of taking care of it because they were stranded, they could have been in a horrendous accident. This is a really classic way of seeing that, what you do with your car, is karma really in action? Do you keep it clean? Do you love your car? Do you clean the garbage? Don't, don't get your mail and open it in the car. Take it in the house and then deal with it. The, the point of it is that car karma is a very, very, very big deal. The more you take care of something, the better it is, whether it's your children. Do you really love your children? Do you love your children enough to say no? It's another classic example of how karma comes back to you. I had a BMW for 20 years. I never had a problem with the car in 20 years. And I gave it routine maintenance. I kept it clean. I kept it garaged. And it was actually purchased by a collector when I finally decided to shift to a different car. But I loved the car. I named her Grace. And she was, oh, the car was filled with grace every time I drew it drove it. And my son remarked that he'd, he'd never seen a BMW have so few problems. So that is a really interesting example of watching how how you take care of something comes back to you and beating your car into the ground won't work. Especially if you say this car is a lemon, I just hate my car. Your car will always be in the shop because you're giving the car the energy of darkness. Those are, those are some tiny, 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 simple
0: examples. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And it's something you can see happening, right? Well, you can see it. You're experiencing it. Yeah. But if now you
1: apply karma to something as mundane as your car, keeping it clean, checking on it. I mean, now my, you know, we have a lease and my husband makes sure the oil is changed and everything is done correctly for the car. And I mean, it's a family car and we really love the car. So... But how does karma apply in other weirder, more complicated situations? So let's say that you are a person who is married to a man who uh, has affairs. Okay, let's look at that. I mean, that's really never happened to anyone. But if it has happened to someone, if you have a situation and I had a client I had several clients that this happened to, and one man's one woman's husband was so good looking, it was jaw-dropping. He looked like something out of the old spice ads. And he had one affair after the other, and he told her that his kundalini was rising and that that's she should accept that. And I I I had a quite they chuckle over that. There was a lot of things rising, but I didn't think it was his kundalini. And um and so she move forward with a divorce. She worked really dif- really diligently to have a peaceful divorce. She didn't harm him. She didn't say anything negative to him, but she didn't perpetuate the negative karma he was earning by harming her. Now, I want to say that again. If you continue in a codependent situation where This person's abusing you on some level and you continue to allow it. You earn negative karma because you allowed the abuse or the betrayal to continue. And she went ahead with the divorce and she said she was very conscious of her spiritual path. I give this woman really high marks. She tried and she was successful in developing a relationship with him for the sake of her children She didn't malign him to her children. And they've been divorced, I guess, 25 years. At every event of their children, everyone meets, they're cordial, they talk together, they work together for the benefit of the children. And he never said anything negative to the children about her either. That's a highly unusual situation. I know it. But at the the end of some of the early processes, she said, I... I have to ask this question. I want to understand the karma of what I just did. I, I, I'm following my spiritual path and I, I followed my heart. I left him and I left him intact and he hasn't harmed me. Does this mean I have to come back in another life with him? Because you can't talk about karma without reincarnation. You just, you can't. And she said, how does that work? And the answer is that I'm not allowed to tell you what your future is or whether you'll ever have another life with him. However, understanding how the law works on a humble level, if you have an experience and you take karmically correct action with the experience where you harm no one else, maybe you were sad, but you didn't harm the other person, and you start to move forward and you are forgiving the person in your process. Well, if she said, but he didn't make any spiritual progress, he he didn't do anything that was helpful as far as understanding what he did. and and I said, well he he didn't harm you. she said, no. I made sure that we were extremely cordial. but I I was hurt, but I didn't project my hurt on him. I said, okay the probability is that he will come back and be an experience for someone else he was a classic narcissist but he wasn't a vicious narcissist he just hurt her feelings constantly she went on to build a wonderful life fabulous mom kids adored her and everyone around her loves her and she is secure in herself and i've had several clients where we worked through the divorce to get to the other side of it so that they could find they were still on their path and they hadn't compromised their integrity, which directly affected their karma. Will they have another relationship this lifetime? I have no idea. I don't tell futures. If they choose to, they will take all the lessons they just learned and karmically apply them to the new relationship. So this goes on. This this. Corollary applies. If someone is abusing you, you have a right to stop the abuse. And I really refer to the example with several clients where they were horrendously abused as children. I I stand in awe of their courage in just getting out of bed every day because their abuse was so severe. But they talked about the fact that their mother would leave their dad over and over and over but she'd always go back and they would pray that they finally could be free of him because he hurt them so much some women were just beaten to a pulp and the mother would say well you know you probably deserved it you know he wouldn't have hit you if you were a good person i mean no one deserves a beating like that where the school tries to intervene but the mother earned a truly negative karma And she's going to have to come back and repeat some other scenario where this is involved because she didn't learn the lesson of leaving him and standing up because at some point in your life, you have to stand up for whether it's yourself or your children. She didn't stand up for her children. And her husband shook her second child into shaken baby syndrome and total mental retardation. Perfectly normal baby. And then child's in an institution for the rest of its life because of him. And she stayed with him. So that's a much more sophisticated, complicated, karmic example.
0: Yeah. And we often think that karma comes from the abuser, right? Like if you're the abuser, then you're going to have the karma. Or like you were saying, you can have good karma. But I like what you're saying about not taking action when you need to is also karma.
1: Well, I remember when we first started working, she would she put her mother on a pedestal and just worship the ground her mother walked on. And that was because there was part of her that desperately hoped that her mother would step up and save them. But her mother never did. She never did. and i I said, to be honest, the worst abuser is your mother because she let it happen and that re- that it's like I was on one level ripping her heart out but on another level she had to come to terms with the greater the greater karmic burden was her mother she did have a place to go she could have left and she chose not to and the mother incurred, the karma on a worse level, I would, it's my opinion, because she left repeatedly and she allowed those children to be beaten to practically uh, death.
0: Yeah. So the courage to stand up against things that you see that are harming others is also part of it.
1: I believe that it's a huge part. I believe it's such a huge part of understanding that the beauty of reincarnation and life after life is the opportunity to do a better job in the future, and I believe that that is so huge that if you can do that, you're just going to feel infinitely better on every level, and you're if you have an awareness of it. Yeah. Now, if if you were abused as a child too. You still have a responsibility. It's why I have a lot of clients that never had children. They were horribly abused and they wanted to heal themselves first. Now, that's a huge karmic statement. I don't want to risk having a child and expose that child to anything like I experienced. Yeah. That would be pretty hard to to decide, but they did.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It is an important part to heal thyself before, you know, because you can harm others just by not understanding where these difficulties are sitting and then your reaction to them can harm others. Right.
1: Your reaction to them can, can harm others on so many levels in so many ways. Now, Let's talk about winning
0: the lottery. As we conclude this journey of the law of karma for today, we encourage you to stay tuned for part two coming out shortly. In the next episode, we will delve even deeper with Tina Irwin into the karmic implications of winning the lottery, the timeless tale of Ebenezer Scrooge, the complexities of spiritual abuse and relationships, and the empowering wisdom to consciously shape positive karma in your life. Get ready for an exploration that transcends the ordinary, guiding you toward mastery in understanding and navigating the profound forces that shape our existence. If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There is one thing for certain, meltdowns are inevitable. Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tray, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest webpage and social media. Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.